This is Todd Gregg back with hopefully the much anticipated second edition of the Educators Happy Hour podcast. I do want to note before this episode begins that I've decided to make a minor tweak to the um, recording and publishing schedule for the podcast this summer um, to kind of help maintain my schedule and to give me some more time to find my happy and enjoy my family and friends. I am only going to be uploading um, an episode every other week between uh, Memorial Day and Labor Day. I will still follow the format of doing one episode that is a reflection and talking about how um, educators can find their happy, um, followed by the next episode being an episode that's interviewing an educator from around the nation or around um, the globe even. Um, This is one of those episodes um, where I talk to my good friend Eli from the Chicago area and find out how he maintains his happy amid all of the chaos. So hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks. Welcome back to the second edition of the Educators Happy Hour podcast. I am here with my good friend, Eli, from uh, Chicago, Illinois. Eli and I had the opportunity to uh, study together, study some uh, Gilded Age and progressivisms a couple of years ago um, through a National Endowment of Humanities summer program um, in Chicago. But I'm going to give Eli a chance just to let him introduce himself. And we're just going to talk a little bit about education and how he finds that balance between work and life. Well, thank you, Todd, for bringing me into the podcast. This is uh, exciting to uh, find actually being on a podcast, so I'm um, entering a whole new uh, life balance, education, all that. That's like, is a, like a long story. We could go on forever. Yeah. Uh, where should I start with all this? Where, where would you like me to kind of begin? What, well, I know you. Um, I know you had a unique opportunity and experience to teach outside the United States for a couple of years yeah. to actually be overseas. What was that like? And what, first of all, what led you to that? And then what was that experience yeah. like? And this is like, I think for, if there's like younger educators out there that we talk to, I'm not that old, I'm only 40, but it's crazy when you like start to count the years and you're probably going the same thing. Like, man, I've been in the classroom for 17 years. Like, wow. Oh my God. Like really sad. I don't like saying that because like, that's, well, that's longer than most of my students have been alive, that's right? right? So that's our right. students' ages. So it's it's, but it's not that long. When I tell like you know my aunts and uncles, like yeah, whatever, whatever. You know, you got a good twenty plus years to to go in the classroom still. But I was in Minnesota. I started in Minnesota. I went to school up in Minnesota. My mother worked at Wheaton College, which is a pretty Christian school. Uh, and I was uh, we were I was raised Catholic, and so that wasn't really a fit to go to Bethel College in Minnesota. But I went to Bethel and. Um, as I was there, I was trying to find my path, and I think like a lot of us, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do at first. Uh, I actually thought I was going to be a forester, and I went to a different university, I went to Southern Illinois for a semester because I thought I was going to be a forester. I was really in the outdoors. Uh, I was taking these backpacking trips around the country. I went to Colorado for a week, went to Texas uh, twice in one year to backpack along the Rio Grande. It was fantastic, and I thought that was going to be my path. But uh, Southern just wasn't I went up to Minnesota, to Bethel. And uh, I needed to declare a major, and it just seemed like I wasn't like called the teaching, right? I didn't like grow up being called to be a teacher, um, but it seemed like something that was practical, it seemed like a, a realistic degree, and I loved history. 
Uh, I love history so much. Uh, I could even go back and think of like my early days growing up, like how I can look at a world map and talk about the, the world and the dynamics of the Cold War with my mother. I remember when Michael Dukakis ran for president. The day he ran for president, I took one of my Chicago Bears posters in my bedroom. I was like, what, eight, nine years old? I took the Jim McMahon off the wall. I had a poster for like all the major Chicago Bears players. Took it off my wall and I wrote honk for Mike on one side. And I stood outside on the street. It was like very little traffic. And I was campaigning for Mike Dukakis the day of the election. And when I look back at that experience now, I'm like, wait a second. I was really interested in, in politics, interested in our na nation and the conversation on that. And looking back at my own kind of like path, that, that's something that really was like, okay, this is where I should be. I love this stuff and I yep. want to share it with young people. But I think part of my high school experience wasn't that strong. I had a lot of the uh, the coaches who also were, as a side job, they would do history class. And nothing against coaching. I coach too. But I think uh, being a teacher was not the focus for them on campus. So I thought, you know, this is something that really needs to be explored and, and done done well. Um, and so at Bethel, I got my degree. And after a couple of years of teaching around Minnesota, I love Minnesota. I've been trying to persuade my partner to go up there. Um, I was like, I want more. I studied abroad for a semester. I studied in Europe, but I wanted to see more of the world. I wanted to learn a language. And what was holding me back? I didn't have children. I didn't have a wife. I had very few bills. Uh, the international teaching scene, it pays extremely well. They fly you over there and they have their apartment ready for you right when you get off the plane. Like, it is unbelievable. So I went to Colombia, South America, and I wanted to learn Spanish and I wanted to learn how to dance salsa. And I'm teaching US history to Colombian nationals. Right, which is uh, you know, layers to that. You know, I'm gonna talk about Panama Canal and all that with Colombians. I mean, it's uh, it, it didn't get acrimonious, but it, it was uh, it was interesting. And I think the real student in the classroom was me. When you go abroad, uh, and I think my students they started to respect me more and more, especially my second year, because I think I started to show greater interest in them and their culture, and it wasn't about me imparting American history and values. You know, um, so I did the international scene for about eight years and then I eventually made my way back to Chicago um, and I, I you know we get new teachers I mean, all schools have this get a little bit of turnover I always talk to the young teachers like you should check this out international teaching is unbelievable I was in Colombia for two years I met my uh, my wife I met her on a blind date in Ecuador and from there we decided to go we linked back up in Chicago a year later and we decided to go abroad right away and we spent three years in Greece we worked at the uh, uh, Athens of the American Community School in Athens and then we moved to Thailand for two years and worked at the uh, Thai Chinese International School All really good schools wonderful time and I got to see the world and learn a lot about not just countries but a lot about myself a lot about our own country and it really helped me uh, to like become more of an expert on U.S. history and U.S. policy. That's kind of the short version, you know. That's exciting. Um, I do have one question about you. You said you wanted to possibly go back to Minnesota, and I would agree. Minnesota is a fascinating place. I've only ever been to Minneapolis, St. Paul area, but flown through it several times, and just been loved the what I've seen there. And we also have a good friend um, that we studied with in Chicago that lives in Minnesota and a great person, but. You would really go up there among all those Vikings fans and take your Chicago Bears fandom and deal with that stress? You know, that's, <laughs> I can't. I, I, that, that, that's one reason. You know what's so great right now? I mean, the, the city is just clad in Bears gear in the fall. Yep. And then you've got your division of Cubs socks. And I, I love being around that. I, I couldn't yep. leave it. Um, yep. But I still hang out with my Minnesota friends uh, yep. a couple times a year. I stay in touch with them. 
Um, I love hockey. Uh, and also those YouTubes on the hockey, the high school hockey team. Have you, I don't know if you've ever seen those. It's hilarious. The hockey culture up there is like, it's so unique. It's, it's unlike any other part of the country. When I worked in Wiper, I worked in Wiper Lake, Minnesota. I loved Wiper Lake. That school district was fantastic. When the Wiper Lake boys hockey team would make it to the state playoffs, it, everything stopped in town. You know, the school would stop and we would watch the game in class and it was uh, – it was cool. So there was something special there. It was a unique place. But you know what? My family, my home down here in Chicago, uh, like five, six generations, Irish immigrants on my mother's side, uh, four generations on my father's side. Uh, a lot of them worked in the steel factories on the south side. So there's a lot of like rich, cool history there. Stuff that uh, is just amazing. When you and I were uh, part of that uh, Chicago study tour, you know, we, we got to go see some of these areas like, you know, and, where they had some of those early factories that were making Pullman uh, cars and things like that. And we drove along the coast of uh, Lake Michigan there. You see some of those old steel mills. You know, I, I take pride in it, even though it's this blue collar legacy. It's uh, something that I'm really proud of, and I feel like it helps me connect with my students a lot more having that kind of history here in the city. I think that's an important thing, too. And I think especially when we look at, you know, title of podcast is Educators Happy Hour and kind of a play on that. Um, but – Obviously, we're not consuming adult beverages right now because we are both in our own respective classrooms recording this. Um, so there's just coffee in my cup right now. But that's all I have, just coffee. Just coffee, that's right. Um, but part of that balance, part of that happy, I think you've got to have those connections to where you are and really care about it. And that can be where you're from or it can be an adopted hometown. I think the case can change for different people, but you obviously have a strong tie to Chicago and especially to the north side where all the beloved cubbies are. Um, huh? Beloved cubbies, <laughs> even though you don't claim them anymore, but you, you... yeah, I know I'm back and forth. My dad's kind of like he's a mutt when it comes to baseball. Yeah. You know, he uh, he's a Cubs fan, but not a big one. So, yeah. and my mother's family, you know, you go in at the basement. They're all... three uncles, and their basement is a dedication. It's like a, it's the pantheon of Sox players throughout history. So, like you know, they've worked their magic on me, whatever it is. And, you know, my grandfather, he passed away the year that the Sox won the World Series, before they won the World Series. And my, my aunts and uncles, they believed it, you know, like there's, they're Catholic, so they saw his spirit and stole up there in something that happened that year. It was yeah, a special year for cool. yeah. So, uh, you know, think what you will of it, but it, it's kind of a story. Um, but, you know, you need those connections to really build with your students and to find that balance. What are some things, because I know you're busy just like I am, but what are some things that – can send your life kind of out of control to where you feel like maybe you've lost that balance, you've lost your happy place. What are some of those typical pressure points for you where you start to, the stress starts to become too much? When the stress becomes too much, what do I do or how do I what, know or what, what, what stresses what kind me? Of, what causes it more or less? Like what causes it? You know, I think the end of the school year, a lot of people, the patience is waning. And, uh, Really, sometimes it's the most innocuous or dumbest inane little thing can set you off at the end of the year, and you got to let it, let it go. Is it really that important? So at our school recently, we've been on initiatives uh, where we put up uh, anchor charts a bit more because, you know, the anchor charts, depending on what you have in there, they can communicate to students a certain skill or something like that. Well, I'm not a huge fan of them. I, you know, I think I've got other methods of doing it. And, you know, some teachers were critiquing the, the lack of anchor charts in my room recently. And it, it set me off for like three days. I was upset at the world. And I was like, wait a second. Over the weekend, I was like, I, I, I looked at the mirror a couple of times. And like, no, you love your work. You love what you do. You love your colleagues. You've just maybe had a long year and you got to let it go. Yeah. Um, so it, I think it's like kind of the buildup of 
just things over the course of a year where honestly a summer break is needed so you can decompress and let it yeah. go and realize that it was all most of it's meaningless anyways what we do is so important yes but i think the stress that builds up over time over the course of the year you don't need to let it get to you yeah i would agree with that it would you have the added stress in it builds up what are those things you do other than just looking at yourself in the mirror what are some what are just some routine or maybe even not so routine but things you really enjoy or love or you can always do just to find that happy place again yeah happy place uh I think early on what I tried to make a point of doing at least a couple times a week instead of staying two hours after work to make sure everything's got the I's dotted and you got to leave a couple times a week like almost right after the bell rings just uh-huh. there. and you got to go do some physical activity I used to be an avid runner um, and I would go run five six ten miles after work and I feel like that would be a great way for me to do this. I can't do that as much anymore I have three daughters and also I've got some health issues in my hip. But I do ride my bike to and from work, which is great. And I, uh, I, I used to play a lot of sport. I would play hockey on a regular basis. I don't do that as much now. I, I play music and I try to read a lot. I wake up for an hour every morning before work and I read. And actually, like an hour before I do my routine, I try to read for an hour. Um, I also play music with a couple of teachers here at school, which has been a great outlet. I've also started a club after school. It's called the 346 Club. We just done it at 345. And at 346, the teachers know when I send the email out that we're in the whole staff. Uh, they know where to meet because the, the special place the teachers go to on a Friday after work, you know? Yeah. And you kind of need to have that. I feel yeah. like you need to have that connection at work with the teachers outside of work. Just you don't need to do it all the time, but do it once a month at least and kind of build that camaraderie. And uh, I think it really helps you relieve that stress on some level because you've got brothers and sisters who are doing the same thing that you are. They're trying to help kids the same way. And you can kind of revel in that together and also not let it get to you. Yeah, I think that's very important. Being able to um, have those other teachers that you can go to and talk to and really um, to understand really without having to go into detail what it's like and what those pressures are like. I am uh, married to a teacher, um, much like you, but yeah. we work in the same building. And sometimes we don't get to de-stress with each other because she knows everybody I'm talking about. If I'm upset with something, I know everybody she's talking about. And so we have to find our other teacher friends outside of each other sometimes to help with that. Um, so you said you bike um, to work most days. Do you do that throughout the crazy winter months in Chicago? Do you keep it? My wife won't let me. Oh, she won't? <laughs> so, I was just curious. Like uh, I want to have this more active rock band, but she's like, it's a dad rock band. Half the guys are bald anyway. So what are you talking about? Well, maybe you just play music on the radio for people and they'll go on tour. So Exactly. So, so it's like when I start bringing home money, then, then you'll say something different. You'll yeah, know. that's right. Um, <clears throat> money is that great equalizer in those things, right? It is. You start, start making a ton. Yeah. yeah. Like when I play, I'd like to do probability on Friday nights with some of my, uh, my high school buddies. You know, uh-huh. and whenever I, I bring home anything that's uh, a value, I always share. I give her half right away. Yeah. Because I want her to know, like, hey, I'm, I'm out there. I'm trying to bring something in for us. I'm doing work. I'm always working for us. That's right. Um, what's your advice to other educators to kind of help them stay out of those stressors, those points where 
they just feel like they're mad at everybody or just want to give up and walk away. What are you, what's your advice in those times? It's tough because, like, you don't want to be, like, walking around like, I'm the sage. I've got advice for you. You know, like, nobody wants that. It's like something about – it's like the American complex, right? It's like, I got this figured out. I don't need a mentor. But I think mentorship is huge. And I've been fortunate enough at most of the schools I've been at, I've always found someone who knows the ropes at the school and has given me a couple little tidbits of wisdom here and there and helped me just kind of, like, balance things out. Uh, my first year teaching – the guy who won Teacher of the Year of the school district didn't wipe her leg. Uh, Scott Manny, awesome guy. And he would joke, and he says this kind of tongue in cheek, but I think there's some truth to it. It's about life balance. He, he would come into my room at like 4.30, that school's already been out for an hour. And he's like, hey, the longer you stay, the less you make. You know, it's kind of funny because we're not in it, obviously, for the money. No, we're not. But the point is, the longer you stay here, you know, you're getting a little stressed. You're like, get out there, and, and the work is always going to be there. And you got to learn how to walk away from it. Uh, my wife, she's also a teacher. There was a, early in our relationship, she decided it was at night. It was, I don't know how late it was, but it was like bedtime. And she's in bed grading papers. And I told her, like, that is the biggest no-no ever. If you do that again, then, you know, you might as well just sign the divorce papers because that's not the kind of life that I'm going to live. And I'm joking on some level, but, like, no. Like, you, you, have to, you have to close off and give yourself, protect yourself in certain ways, insulate yourself in certain ways so it doesn't invade your life because teaching is invasive. I mean, you and I are so connected through social media. It's always teaching that, you know, and when do you maybe cut yourself off? Um, so what I've done here, um, you can put this program on your desktop that they get or on your laptop that they give you at work. It's a program that allows you to get access to the gradebook from home. But if you don't upload that program, then you can't access the gradebook from home. And what I've decided, I've been in Chicago Public Schools for four years now, I don't have access to the gradebook at home. And I don't want access to the gradebook. And I think that's a good way to say, like, you know what, fine. I can check my email at home, but I'm not going to do grades at home. I'll do grades at work, and I leave the fun work. I leave the fun work to bring home. Like, I watch the videos. I do the readings and stuff like that. That's fun work to me. Yeah, I've, I have access to my gradebook at home, and, but I don't do a whole lot of grading at home. And now you and I both teach um, the AP U.S. history course, and there is a lot of essay grading and things like that. And there are times in the fall I will bring essays home and stuff, but um, if, but I try and limit that uh, quite a bit. Yeah. And with the essay grading, I'm always trying to find like, what are different ways that kids can maybe assess their own essay, you know? And I'm started to move more to that is some peer-to-peer -peer grading and things like that. Because if you bring, like, I don't know how many kids you had this year, but in um, a push I had, started the year, I had almost um, 80 students, 75 to 80 kids in AP U.S. history. And if I brought an essay home in the fall, that's, that's all weekend. I mean, yeah. to actually grade that. And so you've got to build those structures in or grading and those simple tasks can really take over your life quickly. Yeah. And then that's the thing too. It's like, really, you're going to sacrifice your weekend with your family because you're going to grade for four hours on Saturday and a couple more on Sunday. Yeah. I, I just don't think that's fair. And it's not fair to my family, you know? No, it's not. And I, it's one of the things I had to realize is I'm a big sports guy too. I love Chicago Cubs. I love OU Sooners football and Bears football. Um, it's a lot more fun to watch a game while you're, and not be trying to grade a stack of papers while you're watching it. Yep. So, yeah. Totally. 
Um, all right, so I've got a bell that's about to ring in the next couple of minutes. Do you have any parting words of wisdom um, before that happens? I mean, you know, I, I don't think I have any parting words of wisdom, but I did bump into a retired educator this fall. I was at a party for one of my students, his mother. We know her. They're friends of ours. And she invited me, and it was a karaoke party. I sang a song. It was great. I love doing karaoke. But anyways, uh, afterwards, this guy, he, he, this retired teacher came up to me. He's like, oh, you're a teacher too. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, he's like, yeah. He's like, I taught for 35 years. And he's like, how long have you been teaching for? At 17. He's like, you're just figuring it out. And to me, that was great because I was like, I, I kind of, I don't know if I'm a lifer, maybe I'm not, but right now I'm in the thick of it and I love it so much. And I think my students really know that, but it's, it's cool to hear that from an older uh, teacher inspired that, you know, there's still so much to learn, even though you feel like you've got so many tricks up your sleeve. So. All right. Well, thank you for your time today. Um, it was good. I wish we could have kept going longer. I feel like we could have talked all day about different stuff. Of course. That's why you're going to come to Chicago this summer and we'll hang out and go well, see some next game. I hope so. I'm trying to yeah, go uh, Sox. finalize the schedule. Hey, Sox are struggling this year. Cubs Cubs have rebounded, though. They, they had a big win last night. So it was Yeah, like, how about that, huh? I, was, I watched the eighth inning. I think I turned it off. I'm like, oh, they're going to lose this game. Right? Oh, yeah. I was – you know, it's kind of funny. I shouldn't let sports affect my mood that much, but, like, my wife had stayed late for a senior recital and she'd gotten home and – our morning started crazy. I think I texted or you had uh, responded on Twitter. Like we started today at 4:30 in our storm cellar with uh, yeah. tornado sirens going off, and then I drove through a flood on my way to work, and it was just a crazy day. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I was just like, you know, I'm in a bad mood. The Cubs are losing. I was like, I'm I'm done. And my kids were fighting. I was like, it's just been a rough day. Cubs come back and win, and I couldn't go to sleep after that. My mood completely changed, and I was happy. And it was like, I should not let them affect my mood that much. But We're emotional beings, aren't we? That's right. So, all right. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you for your time. Well, thanks for being a part of the podcast. No problem. Thanks, Eli. All right. Take care. You too. Bye. Okay, go. Oh. <laughs> like to thank everyone for tuning in to this second episode of the Educators Happy Hour podcast. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with my friend Eli Popovic. Um, I hope you could tell that Eli and I could have talked for literally hours um, about education, about Chicago Bears football. We're both Bears fans, about deep dish pizza, about uh, microbrews that we enjoy, coffee, music, a whole host and array of things. Eli and I have become good friends over the past couple of years since meeting at a research fellowship together. And I hope you were able to learn something from him as I've learned a lot from him 
in the past 24 months. Um, in two weeks, I will be back with episode three, and I will be talking about the importance of friends, the importance of having people that you can depend on and rely on when you need someone in your corner, the importance of having a tribe, the importance of having people both inside and outside of education that really help you be you, that help you find the best you that there is, and that you help you be happy. We all need that in our lives. And um, tune in in a couple of weeks, and I will be dropping that episode then. Um, in the meantime, I want to say thank you to some people for helping get this episode created. I want to say thank you to Amy Allen, um, one of my form- now former students that helped, that created the um, buffer music, both the intro and outro for um, the Educators Happy Hour podcast. I want to, of course, thank Greg and Dean Photo Collective for all of the photography um, on my website. And if you are in the Oklahoma City area or um, even in the greater region and need any family, wedding, senior portraits, anything else done, please check out Greg and Dean Photo Collective. Finally, um, if you want to connect with me, you can find me on the website, my website, which is www.mrgragg.com, or you can find me on Twitter. I am at Mr. Gregg, M-R-G-R-A-G-G. I look forward to connecting with all of you. Um, Please rate, review, and subscribe if you're listening to this to Stitcher or on iTunes. Um, And once again, thanks for tuning in to the Educators Happy Hour podcast. See you guys in two weeks.